0: My title today is the good news of the kingdom. The good news of the kingdom. It's not a bad news. It's a good news. In fact, the word gospel means too good to be true. What does the gospel mean? Too good to be true. Meaning it is so good that you like, man, are you really sure? It's like, it's like, you know you you were, you were just passing by and somebody was selling lottery tickets and you know, you just bought a lottery ticket, just randomly right, and then a friend calls you and tells you, hey dude you won like 10 million dollars in a lottery, it's like too good to be true right, and you're like, are you serious I'm saying, how many of you would love such good news every day, every morning you know, which is too good to be true Amen. See, and that is what the gospel is. That is what I want you to understand. Gospel is news, which is good and which is too good to be true. Like it is so good that a logical, rational mind cannot even understand it. It's like, can't make sense of it. It's so good. It's so good. So I know that you you guys know the gospel, especially, you know, to... Most of you guys, you might be church going Christians, you know, you've been hearing the gospel and you already know what I'm going to share. But let me tell you, you and me, we are still scratching the surface of what it means, of what the good news means. We're still scratching the surface. Why? What did the Lord say? What did Paul say in Ephesians 2 verse 7? The Lord has seated us with Jesus so that he can reveal more of his goodness, more of his kindness. So you can get familiar with the concept, but you can never get satisfied with the reality of the gospel. You can get familiar with the intellectual of what the gospel is, but you can never, never be content, never be satisfied. You know why? Because there's so much more. There's so much more. And and in this You know, as as a spiritual man, the more you eat, the more your appetite increases and the more you become hungry. So I want to talk to you about the good news of Jesus. And I'm telling you this from, from really from a place of humility that I'm born and brought up in a missionary family. Pastor's kid. Today also, if you stand with me and compete with me on Bible verses, I might really beat you without embarrassing you okay i'm i'm really good in bible verses okay i was i was taught the bible from my father i in my free time i used to attend bible school that's what i used to do since i was a child so i know theology since i was a child but it was only when i was 23 years old that i actually understood the gospel think about it I knew about the gospel, but I had an encounter with the gospel. The gospel became alive to me in 2012. Just became alive to me. Okay, so I want to challenge you. Maybe if you think that you know the gospel, maybe you don't. Maybe you don't. Because 2012 was just a glimpse of what could be possible. And then it has absolutely changed my life absolutely changed my life you know what is the biggest miracle for me today the biggest miracle for me today is taking this mic and speaking from it that's the biggest miracle because you know if you had known me when i was a child i used to be a very timid shy person if they would say sam can you come here i would run away okay and if i had to stand on a pulpit and share my knees would be wobbling so much that i would i would be feeling that there's actually an earthquake happening only in the place where i'm standing in you don't know my story but if you really knew me i was talking to a friend yesterday you know and he knows me since i was a you know, since i was a young man yeah, i am young too but you know since my college days so and he is like man i can't believe I can't believe that you have a charisma while you preach, and I'm like, dude, really? Yeah. And he said, you know, you used to be so boring. You used to be such a nerd. You know, that kind of a person who could only read books, and you know, just, just, you couldn't talk. I said, that's true. I couldn't talk. I'm not. I, I, I was never a social kind of a person. But today. I'm telling you, if today you ask me to introduce myself at some place or you ask me to host an event or you ask me to welcome somebody, I'm still pathetic. I can't do it. I'm still really bad at it. But what I can do is preach the good news of Jesus. You know why? Because it has absolutely changed my life. It has drastically changed my life. My life has never been the same again. And I want to share this good news that can change your life. And you might might be coming from a place, oh yeah, I know what he's talking about. It has changed my life. But maybe that's not how you feel today. And the good news is if today you don't feel that, you can feel it again. It can come like a mighty rushing wind, overwhelming, overtaking your life. Because the gospel has the power to do that. Amen? Okay, so... Because, you know, yesterday was Christmas, I, I was in so much pressure to share a Christmas message. So the Christmas message has to be the message of Christ, right? And the message of Christ is the good news of what Jesus came to preach. Now, turn with me to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4 verse 18. Okay, Luke chapter 4 verse 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now let me tell you what is happening here. Jesus got baptized. By John the Baptist. He went into the wilderness where he was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. He's coming straight from there. He's been activated in his ministry. And the first first thing that he does is enters a Jewish synagogue. Which is like a gathering like this. He enters a Jewish synagogue. He takes up the scroll of Isaiah. Because this is actually he's reading from Isaiah. He takes up that scroll. He reads this passage. And he sits down. And the story is, after he sits down, he says, this prophecy has been fulfilled. I'm saying, think think of the audacity that Jesus had. Okay. See, you have to understand the time in which Jesus was born was during a Roman rule. And there was a lot of persecution, there was a lot of abuse that was happening, right? People were just suffering, people were sick, people were evil, sin was rampant. It was absolute crazy, chaotic. And there is this carpenter's son who looks very ordinary. He reads this portion and he says, this scripture is fulfilled. My goodness. Meaning I'm not surprised that the people wanted to kill him then. I'm I'm, I'm really not surprised. But Jesus says this, he says, the spirit of the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news. And that's the good news of Jesus that we are proclaiming even now. And it is applicable and it is on fire and active even today. Because, you know, after he says this, do you know what he starts doing? He starts healing the sick. He starts delivering people who are in demonic oppression. He starts telling people that their sins are forgiven. Just soon after this. And then if you read verse 43, it's in the same chapter, Luke 4, verse 43. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God. What must he do? I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. So, Jesus' purpose, he knew his purpose was to preach the good news of the kingdom. Now, understand this when Jesus was preaching the good news of the kingdom, that good news of the kingdom was manifesting itself in demonstration as well. He was not just talking words and concepts and intellectual and theory and theological, you know, ideas, but when he was preaching, stuff was happening. The blind were seeing. The lame were able to walk. People who were demonically oppressed, they were being delivered. Healing was happening and people knew that their sins were forgiven. People who, who were feeling condemned for such a long time, finally they, they felt freedom. They felt that there's one person who is divinely appointed and in his presence I find no condemnation. My goodness. So when Jesus was preaching the kingdom the kingdom was becoming real as he was preaching wherever he went the kingdom was becoming real the reality of the kingdom was where Jesus was preaching Do you see that Do you know what was Jesus message the one that he says I have to preach the good news of the kingdom what was his message his message was very simple his message was repent For the kingdom of God is at hand. Very simple message. Repent. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Do you know what's the meaning of repent? Repent simply means change your mind. Change your mind. You know, we think repentance means, you know, grieving and beating our chest and, you know, feeling remorse. That is a, that could be an expression of what repentance looks like, but the real essence of repentance is change your mind. Jesus saying, change your mind for the kingdom of God is at hand. Is at hand meaning it's within reach. If you can just lift your hand and you can, you can almost, it's, it's almost there. You can catch it. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Just change your mind. Just change your mind and the kingdom of God can become your reality. That's what Jesus' message was. Hey, this is the good news, guys. You don't have to be worried. You don't have to, you know, remain sick. You don't have to go back into the same circumstances that you're coming from. You can change your mind and the kingdom of God can overwhelm your reality. Can change your life. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. What is kingdom? Kingdom comes from two words, king and dominion or domain. King and domain, that's kingdom. Kingdom is king's domain or king's dominion. So what Jesus is basically saying is, hey, listen, I know that your reality is pathetic. Okay i know right now and i'm and i'm speaking to you guys as i'm speaking to you guys receive this i know that your life right now your reality right now is pathetic but good news change your mind because the god's reality the kingdom of god the reality of his kingdom can overtake your life it has a power to change your reality it has a power to change your reality Anything that is wrong in your life can be set right by the reality of God's kingdom. How many of you feel that I've been wronged in my life? How many of you feel? Yeah, the people who have stolen money or hurt you or circumstances, whatever, you know, you just feel like, you know, I've been wronged in life. Okay, do you feel that? Let me tell you good news, the good news of Jesus. Change your mind the kingdom of God is at hand it has the capacity to overturn your life to set every wrong thing into right in the old testament if somebody stole something and they were caught they had to repay seven times how many times so the person who lost just imagine the kind of profit he's making We are not in the old covenant. We are in the new covenant. So think how much more God has a capacity, the kingdom of God has a capacity to restore you. How much more? This is the message of Jesus. He's saying, hey, I'm bringing good news to you. That whatever situations that you are in from, wherever you need deliverance, I I am preaching the good news so that you can change your mind. You can receive those good news in your life so that it can become a reality for you. You don't have to live in your own, you know, in your own back-to-back, old, religious, pathetic, broken life. You can change your life right now having God's reality. Can I ask you, how many of you love the reality of God? Just if you had to imagine, you know, God's reality. Would God's reality be as, as our reality? Like our reality? The ones that we feel so broken, we feel so jealous, we feel so... You know, we are, we are always in need and we are always frustrated, desperate compared to God's reality. How much better is God's reality? And Jesus is saying, hey, you know what? You can have that. You can have the reality of God. You can have the reality of heaven. You can have that by changing your mind. You can have the dominion of God activated in your life. Understand this. When Jesus was preaching the kingdom, he was doing three things. What are the three things? Healing the sick. Delivering them from demonic oppression. And forgiveness of sins. Three things. Interestingly, salvation, being saved from, refers to these three things. Salvation in the Greek is sozo. What is it? Sozo. Sozo We only understand sozo as forgiveness of sins. But salvation is more than forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of sins is there and I'm not denying that. But there's forgiveness of sins, there's healing and there is deliverance. Forgiveness, healing and deliverance. So if you need forgiveness today, it is there in the kingdom. If you need healing today, it is there in the kingdom. If you need deliverance today, it is there in the kingdom. And Jesus is saying, hey, here's the good news. Repent, for I have come, proclaiming the good news that the kingdom of God is at hand. It's within your reach. You can receive today the kingdom. You can receive the kingdom today. Amen. Now, let me show you something. Romans chapter 14, verse 17. Romans 14 verse 17. Romans 14 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Paul is saying the kingdom of God is not what you do externally, but it's what you have received internally. Sam, that was a great point. Great, great. Nobody nobody gets you. Yeah. Did you get it? It's not what you do externally. It's what you have received internally. Everything in the kingdom, you can only receive. You cannot work for it. You cannot earn for it. Okay? So the kingdom is an internal reality that you receive. So Paul here is saying, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Okay, why, why is the kingdom of God righteousness? I'll tell you why. Any antidote to wrong lifestyle or evil in your life. Okay, how many of you struggle with some kind of sin in your life? Okay, you don't have to raise your hands, but I know this. Okay, <laughs> that There is some kind of struggle that you're struggling through. The antidote to that wrong living and a wrong belief system, the antidote to that is the righteousness of God's kingdom. Anything that is wrong in your mind, any belief system that is wrong in your mind, any habit that is wrong in your mind, the righteousness of God gets set things right. It's an antidote. Why? What does the righteousness of God do? The righteousness of God says, Hey, 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 hey. You are forgiven. He who knew no sin became sin for you so that you and me could become the righteousness of God. You are forgiven once and for all because of Jesus. Not because of what I have done, but because of Jesus, you're once and for all free. When you receive that message of righteousness again and again, my goodness, everything in your life that needs to be set right becomes right. Because righteousness also reveals God's justice. What does it reveal? God's justice. And God's justice is not punishment, guys. God's justice is restoration. Because when 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 a crime happens between the victim, when, when a crime happens between the victim and the villain, both need restoration. Both need grace and both need healing. Do you get that? It's a message of righteousness, which is an antidote to every wrong lifestyle, to every evil within us, to every wrong habit that we have. Because it's a message of righteousness that says, hey, it's not because of your works. It's not because of your good deeds that you're forgiven. It is because of Jesus and him alone. It's because of what he has done. So how is the righteousness? What does righteousness do? Righteousness is an antidote. The wrong living and wrong belief system. Why? Because it tells us that we are forgiven. Now I want to come, I want you to compare this with what Jesus was doing when he was preaching the kingdom. Was he forgiving s- sins? He was forgiving sins. Why how was he forgiving sins? Because he understood the message of righteousness. Righteousness is a part of the reality of the kingdom. What's the other re- part of the reality of the kingdom? Peace. Do you know what peace does? Peace is an antidote to demonic oppression. Now you might say, oh, I'm not demonically oppressed. I'm telling you guys, you have no idea how demonically oppressed all of us are and how much. I'm not talking about demonic possession. Okay? A born again believer cannot be possessed, but a born again believer can be externally oppressed by the devil. How do I know that? Look at your emotions. Do you feel jealous? Excessive thinking? Reasoning? They're all demonic oppression. Why? Because it why? Because the power of darkness wants us to not look outside of what God has for us. Meaning, not look outside beyond the circumstances to what God has for us. So he keeps us, you know, in bondage by demonically oppressing us. And what what does Jesus do? He delivers them. Wherever he sees demonic oppression, he sets them free. Hey, you're free, you're free, you're free. And it's the peace of the kingdom that becomes an antidote to demonic oppression. It's a peace. How do I know this? Philippians 4 verse 6 and 7. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart. What does it say? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will Guard your hearts and your minds. So if you are struggling with demonic oppression, now you might not like the word demonic oppression, but if you're struggling dealing with your emotions going high and low and you're not able to control it, then it's the peace of God that will guard your heart and your mind. It's the peace of God. What's the third one? Righteousness, peace and Joy. Do you know what joy does? Joy is an antidote to sickness. (laughs) Yes, there you go. Joy is an antidote to sickness. Proverbs 17 verse 22 says, A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Joyful heart is a good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. So, the message of righteousness tells us that we are forgiven, that there's no condemnation, that we are one with God, and God loves us, and He is always for us, with us. That's the message of righteousness. It's the peace that guards our minds and our hearts, protects us from demonic oppression, and it's the joy that brings healing into our body, not just in our physical body, but in our emotions and in our minds as well. We need all three of this. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the key. In the Holy Spirit. God does want want to take you to heaven. But more than that, he's interested in bringing heaven inside of you. See, what makes heaven, heaven? What makes heaven, heaven? God, right? It's a presence of God. When you and me receive Jesus, we have received his spirit, right? We have received the Holy Spirit. So if what makes heaven, heaven is the presence of God, is his spirit, then shouldn't your life and mine reflect the reality of heaven? That is what the good news is. Jesus is saying, hey, you guys. You don't have to die anymore to get to heaven. You can experience the reality of heaven right now. By receiving me, you receive my kingdom. Why do we have the kingdom, the reality of the kingdom? Because we have received the king. When we receive the king, we receive his dominion. We receive his domain. And we receive everything that comes with it. That's the good news, guys. See, I'm not saying that heaven does not exist and I'm not saying that if you die, there's no promise of heaven. I'm not saying that. Yes, if you die today, unexpectedly, you will be in the presence of God. Yes, 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 that is a promise. But let's not limit our gospel just to heaven, which is life after death. We can also say that once you have received Jesus, you have received his spirit, heaven has come inside of you. See, Jesus says in John chapter 14, Me and my Father will come to you and will dwell with you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit is the most ignored person in the Trinity, I think. You know, we all know Father, Son, and then the Holy Bible. We seldom know the Holy Spirit. He's the most ignored person. But if we understand The role of the Holy Spirit in our lives, my goodness, our life can turn around. We don't have to live this low-frequency, earthly life. We can start living a heaven-quality life. Because what makes heaven heaven is the presence of God, and that spirit of God has been deposited in your life when you received Jesus. Ephesians one verse thirteen and fourteen says, "When you heard the gospel and you believed in the gospel, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You and me are sealed. Where is the Holy Spirit? It is inside of you, within your body. There's your soul, where." Your soul has your emotions and your thoughts, and within your soul is the Spirit. That is where you're sealed. You're sealed with the seal of the Holy Spirit. And let's understand the chronology, okay? In the Old Testament, the Israelites were happy knowing that God was for them. They were just happy knowing that God is on our side, He's for us. We can fight any battle. Why? Because he's for us. They were happy with that. But with the announcement of Jesus, a new name was introduced, which was Emmanuel, which is God is with us. So Jesus came. Hey, you know what? Yes, I am for you, but I'm also with you. I'm always with you. My presence will always be with you. But that is not it. Jesus said in John 16, he said, you know, I have to leave so that I can send you the comforter. So that the one who is for you, the one who is with you can be inside of you as well. So even if you miss it, even if you screw it up, you know, you have messed up your life. He will, from the inside of you, restore your life once again. See, if you today, you think you have messed up your life and you think, Yes, yes, this was all once a reality for me, but now it just seems seems so far away. Let me tell you, the Holy Spirit inside of you still has the power to kindle that reality again so that it can overflow from your life, it can overcome your reality, and it will not just bless you personally, but it will make you a blessing to all the people around you. This indwelling spirit that you have is an overflowing spirit. Say with me, it's an overflowing spirit. It has the power to overflow from your life and become a blessing. Like, you know, David says, you anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Whenever God gives, he just does not give enough. He gives more than enough. So the the indwelling spirit has the capacity to overflow in and through your life. It has a capacity. That's why... Jesus says in John chapter 4, verse 13 to 14, when he's talking to the Samaritan woman, he's specifically talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him, referring to the Holy Spirit, will never be thirsty again. Why? The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The Holy Spirit has the power To overflow, to overflow, to overflow. That's why Paul says, do not quench the spirit. And then he says, but you can be filled with the spirit. How are you filled with the spirit? That spirit that you have received as a seal that has the power to overflow in and through your body. See, let me tell you this. The Holy Spirit has not taken permanent residence in you so that it can just accommodate somewhere. See, David understood this. David and Solomon when they were building the temple, they understood that there is no place on earth or in the universe that can contain the fullness of God. Is there anything that can contain the fullness of God? There is no such thing. But the mystery is that God has been contained within us. Why has he been contained within us? Not just to be contained, so that he can overflow. That is our purpose. You and me are not just saved so that we can contain God and be like, Oh, I have the seal of the Holy. No, it is to overflow so that the overflow of the spirit can happen so that the reality of the kingdom that we are talking about is not just limited to us, not just limited to ourselves and the family, but it is overflowing and is changing the atmosphere that we are in. Amen? So the reality of the kingdom has three things. Righteousness, peace, joy. What does righteousness do? Righteousness tells you that you're forgiven, that you're restored. Peace guards your hearts and minds against demonic oppression. Joy is an antidote to sickness. What else do you need? How do you Receive this kingdom. How do you receive this kingdom? Romans chapter 10 verse 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Say with me. You have to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Okay. The second part says and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. So it's not just enough to say oh Jesus is my savior. It's not just enough to say that. Yes, Jesus died for you. Yes, he's your savior. And God raised him from the dead. Yes, you believe in that. But you have to confess that he is my Lord. Why do you have to say that? Why is that so important? Why confessing that Jesus is my Lord, is my savior? Because when we are saying Jesus is my Lord, we are saying, Lord, I am done with my pathetic hard work in setting my life right. Lord, I want you to become the Lord of my life and to drive my life in the way you want it to go. You're basically saying, Jesus, here's the steering wheel of my life, become the driver. That is hard. And and I know that you will attest to this, that every time you have done that, every time you have surrendered and submitted to the Lordship of Jesus, you have always seen a... A difference in your reality. Haven't you? Yeah. So I i am going to invite you today. Because you. Either you have never heard of this good news. And if you have never heard of this good news. I want to give you an invitation today. That if you accept Jesus as your Lord. Your entire life can change. Because he has the capacity to overwhelm and to overflow in your life. With the reality of heaven. You don't have to die to get to heaven, but heaven can come inside of you because when you receive Jesus, all of heaven comes inside of you. But if you're in the other group where you know all of this, you know all of this and you have even tasted most of it, but right now you're not in a place where you're experiencing the reality of the kingdom, I want to invite you to Because Jesus is so patient and so graceful that as much as the father goes out to the younger son who has messed it up, he also goes out to the older son to restore him back. The Holy Spirit that is inside of you, Paul says like this, this is the greatest mystery that Christ in you, the hope of glory. The Holy Spirit that is inside of you, you and me don't have an idea the kind of potential and power that Holy Spirit carries inside of you. Just take a moment and imagine with me that that person of God created the universe, had the power to create universes. Now we are talking multiverses, right? Had the power to create universes. And that person resides in each and every one of you. And he's not there just to be contained and, you know, just so that we can feel so good about being a Christian. He's there so that he can overflow from your life. So if today your prayer is like mine, I I don't want to, I'm done with talking about the kingdom, but I want to see demonstration. If that's your heart's cry, will you close your eyes and just say, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. And if there's somebody over here who has never heard of Jesus, I want to give you this opportunity. Just invite Jesus into your life. If you can just make this small prayer, Jesus, I invite you into my life and become the Lord of my life. I can guarantee you. I can guarantee you that your life will not be the same again. Your life will not be the same again. Just take this moment. Just take this moment. Just to invite him into your life and say that Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. Jesus, you are the king of my life. And I, I am done being the king of my life. Come on, will you accept that? I am done being the Lord of my life. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done doing it. I'm done working hard. Uh, I'm I'm done making all the efforts and thinking it through. I'm done. I'm done. Jesus, I want you to become the Lord of my life. I want you to do the thinking of it. I don't want to take this stress anymore. I want to cast it all at your feet. Jesus, I want to be... I want to be submitted and surrendered to your Lordship. I want you to reign in my life. I want you to reign in my life. Come. Jesus, we just surrender. We invite you in our hearts. Become the Lord of our life. If you don't know how to make this prayer, just repeat after me. It's a very simple prayer. It goes like this. Jesus, come into our hearts. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Become the Lord of my life. For I believe that you died for my sins. And on the third day, you rose again. But I ask you, Jesus... To be the Lord of my life, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 I just want to take this moment. If you know, if anybody needs specific prayers today, and if there's if there's a burning uh, desire in your heart, you know, in the sense like you don't want to go back the way you came, and you're really seeking something from the Lord. If that's who you are, you know, just stand up on your feet. I'd like to say a word of prayer. Because the kingdom of God has a capacity to overwhelm your circumstances. Okay. If there's online anybody, you know, you can just raise your hands. If there's healing that you're seeking, if there's deliverance, or even if there's condemnation that you're struggling with. Okay. Just receive this. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your finished work, for your complete, finished work on the cross that says it is finished. Father, we receive your forgiveness of sins. We receive your restoration that comes by believing in your Jesus. Father, we thank you for the kingdom. The reality of the kingdom is ours. The reality of the kingdom is mine. And Father, we receive it not just for me, but for my family. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray for those who are sick today. I speak that the joy of the Lord will restore them. The joy of the Lord will restore them. I speak for people who are struggling with oppression. Let your peace guard their hearts. Protect them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.